Now here's a TV classic. From the Digital Terrestrial Television Broadcasting Planning Handbook, including technical and general assumptions. From the Australian Broadcasting Authority, Canberra. Under Section 9, brackets 2 of the CTC scheme, the ABA must have regard to the need to plan the most efficient use of the spectrum for broadcasting services or other uses, including the need for spectrum to be made available for allocation for the purposes of the transmission of data casting services under and in accordance with the conditions of data casting licenses. Section 9, brackets 2, bracket A of the NTC scheme also provides that the ABA must have regard to the most efficient use of the spectrum. Are the box cutters version one listeners gone yet? Box cutters. Box cutters. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 351. It's Box Cutters 2.0. We've mixed a little bit of cheese in and made a big, big deal of it. In the studio are Marion Blythe. Hello. Rachel Howe. Hey. Chris Rankin. Howdy. And my name's Brett Cropley. Evening, viewers. <laughs> All very exciting. Uh, we're, we're back here. How are you going, Marion? I'm going really well. I've been away for three months and I haven't watched television. So, you know, there's lots of stuff. <laughs> On this, uh, this week's episode of Box Cutters, we're talking about uh, the time of our lives, the mm. ABC One uh, mm. series that just finished up this week. Which was the only show that I watched over the three months. I got it off iTunes every week because I just uh, had to have a little bit of Australian accent. Chris, have you watched much TV over the last three months? A uh, little. I've watched a lot of the uh, politics going on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Very, very interesting. Um, You've been watching any politics, right? I have a bit, yeah, but uh, mostly I get my news from the internet. And um, when I watch, I, I actually was watching ABC 24, though, on election day through my computer. So, yeah. Wow. They didn't yeah. do a very good job. I, did, I think they actually <laughs> dropped the ball for a few times. Do you mean politics in general? Well, no, the, the, yeah, the map or and ABC. hitting buttons and the wrong map comes oh, okay. up and all that stuff. Yeah. Didn't, didn't work too well. That's called yeah. ABC 24. Oh, that's it. That's yeah. actually how it works. Mm. It's, it's yeah. live to air. Yeah. Yeah. They're keeping one step ahead. Well, but they, we could I say called that was a fail. <laughs> uh, do you know that I stayed right away from everything political? Usually I'm a politics junkie. Yeah. But um, I decided that while I was away, I managed to stay away from it. And then when I got home, I thought I got home like three days before the election. Yeah. So I thought, screw it. I'm going to stay in this uh, blissful ignorance because I knew what was yeah. going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. I started watching Q&A, but yeah. then I changed channel in a boring bit, which I can't actually specify which boring bit because, well, it was Kevin Rudd. Um, yeah. And this was happening on uh, Channel 11. Um, let the records show that Mar- oh, okay. Marion is showing, <laughs> showing the team um, a picture of yeah. topless uh, Jay Ryan from the US yeah, series right. Beauty and the Beast. That's he's my new TV crush. Um, okay. I have a lot of them, but he's my newest one. Mm-hmm. And um, I have no idea what the storyline of the show is. He's a beast, um, I guess. <laughs> that's that's as far as my political viewing got. Yeah, thank you for sharing Five that. minutes. Oh, that's <laughs> reality. Five I minutes into it. K-Rod Q&A. <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting getting the new team together. Uh, I'm not sure if Chris is Statler or Waldorf. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can he's he be Benny both? Hill. He's yeah. Benny Hill. <laughs> I love Benny oh, Hill. Oh. My favourite my line from Benny Hill is oh, watching Dan. Down the road, and he sees he a head stuck in the road. He says, 
I think I've got my English right here. Um, what's that on the road ahead? I, I should actually say, I should actually wow. say, what's that on the road ahead? Sorry, I got my inflections incorrect. <laughs> Benny Hill was a genius. Yeah, that's funny. Mm. I actually find that funny. What's that on the road? We really do need a video podcast because my eyebrow raising is just not coming through on uh, on audio. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it, Mary. Uh, a lot has been made of uh, the new innovations that are coming up with Box Cutters 2.0, and uh, that will be one of them. Uh, not in this episode, though. I'm just uh, getting people together and uh, settling in the teams. But I put on makeup before we you did. You Rachel, did. Rachel um, took her showy earrings off. I took my earrings off when I heard that there was no point. That's something for the listeners to look forward oh. to. Rachel, this Rachel's is an old earrings. old line but a good line. You look beautiful without makeup. Oh, thank you. How would you know? You've only seen me with makeup. Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm an advertising guy and that's oh, what they used okay. to oh, say. Oh, right, okay. You know? <laughs> One of the famous advertising lines for Palmolive was, but darling, you look beautiful without makeup. Uh, you remember that, Brett? You know, Chris I don't isn't, remember that Chris one. I remember you soaking in it. Uh, yeah, dishwashing yeah. liquid. That's right, like dishwashing liquid. Was that like back in the 1900s? Yeah. Like when you... you know, like right. Okay, okay. I'm going to have some more cheese. <laughs> yeah. Chris isn't just eating cheese, just quietly. Yeah, I'm actually saying it too. Yeah. I've got Edam. So we do nice. have the video podcast to look forward to, as well as a live feed uh, coming direct to you from the studio uh, so that we can have some real listener live interaction uh, right here on the show. But uh, let's kick things off for the moment, as we always do, with the Box Cutters News. Mel Walden has announced that uh, he is going to be stepping down as anchor of the Channel 10 News Bulletin uh, after 40 years bringing us news in uh, Melbourne town, uh, not just on Channel 10, but uh, started on Channel 7 back in uh, back in my early formative days. I remember him when he was still there. Um, and uh, I, I think... In, in a move that's kind of symbolic about where TV news is going these days, is being replaced by a sports reporter, Stephen Quartermain. I was just about to say, they're, they're all, um, like the sports, ex-sports people are um, all over the news and hosting things. Do you know why that is? Yeah. They're very good at retaining facts because oh. they actually, when they commentate a football game, they've got to remember every number, every player's name. Mm. Yeah. So that's why they've been... In as I'm more talking as news about readers. the players, <laughs> like athletes, like who was uh, the woman who Haley Lewis was hosting cheese, hosting right. um, Fat Fighters. What was it called? Biggest Loser. Yep. And uh, Fat Fighters is from Little Britain. <laughs> no, <you laughs> mean fat Fighters. Fat Fighters. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, there's like uh, you know the I can't think of the the guy the footballer who's on. Who's doing news on Channel Tim something? Watson? Yeah. Tim Watson's been completely on. useless. Did you see me there? I'm full of facts. I'm an ex-sports person, anyway. But uh, but like he's he's been presenting sports there. He hasn't been the the voice of the gravitas. Anchor, yeah, uh, interesting. that's that uh, the news anchors kind of need to be in a real news. Uh, Has Stephen Cornermain been doing television? 
What's he been on? Uh, I think he's been a long-term Channel 10 sports he has. staffer. Right, okay. yeah. uh, he's also been on things like uh, Back in the day, he was promotions. on the panel quite yep. a bit, but yep. generally kind of talking about sports still there. Yep. Right. I must say that Mel Walton was a very good news reader, I thought. And uh, he's, he's, who have we got left that's of that old school? We've got Hitch. You go through mm. what Mal Walden... I remember doing the first commercial... Uh, sorry, the first advertising press ad at the Campaign Powers for Mal Walden. Mm-hmm. There was a Seymour flood. I think the year was 78. And he couldn't go up there, but we wanted to actually present him as the man on the spot. So we took him down to the Albert Park Lake. Right. Put him in there. And I had the. This is this is sounding like uh, I'm live from the Channel Seven chopper when it's not actually exactly even right. Ground. A guy called Peter Horton took the shot. We had it retouched to look like the Seymour floods in the background, and he's holding a microphone. And it, it actually said, uh, "Mal Walden live on the spot on Channel Nine tonight." Not saying where he was live on the no, spot from. No. Anyway, he went on to become. A, I thought he was a very good newsreader. He was precise. He was. Never got emotional, never I, lost it. I never saw him um, lose a word. Mm-hmm. He was good. I actually thought that uh, he he kind of went down market a little bit when he, he jumped over to Channel 10. He did. He did. Seven is where he actually um, grew his craft. Yeah. And I thought he was an excellent newsreader. The only guy I thought was better than him in my time, Eric Pierce. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. See, I don't remember a time when Eric Pierce was reading the news. Oh, well, I it did. Was, uh, it was uh, my earliest rem- memories were uh, Brian told me. Yeah, Brian was good Brian too. Brian Naylor was, well, actually, Mal Wadden took over from Brian Naylor. No. No, Mal was on Channel 7. I'm sorry, you're right. You're right. Yeah, Peter Hitchener took over from That's exactly right. Yeah. You're right, actually. He did take over from Brian Naylor. Ah, well, there you go. So Chris is actually right. There you go. Yep. Hey, what? <laughs> Mal Walton Chris took over from wrong. Brian Naylor. On Channel yep. 9? No, Channel 7. Brian Naylor wasn't on Channel 7. Brian Naylor moved over to the rival station, GTV 9. Really? Yeah, so it was actually on Channel 7. So, so he Chris went to 9. Right. Mal came in as the new newsreader right. on Channel 7. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to know, Brett? Oh, that's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that promotional song for uh, Channel 9 News was, was gold because they had a Brian in Sydney and a Brian in oh, Melbourne at the fantastic. same time. Fantastic. Brian told me. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic yeah. positioning for Channel 7. Brian told me. Brian I mean, told Brian. Fantastic. Okay, it became part of the vernacular. Mm. Talking of uh, legendary uh, Australian media types, Harold Mitchell has taken over as head of the Free TV Australia organisation. Terrific guy, Effective Im- immediately. Mm. Uh, d- tell us more. Well, he was our media buyer at the Campaign Palace. I've known Harold for 35 years. Great, great guy. And a great philanthropist as well. Does a lot of work for charity on the board of the National Gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of my favourite men. Interesting to see that ex-Prime Minister John Howard was shortlisted for the job. Absolutely. Supposedly. Mm. Um, David Frost passed away. Uh, very sad. Mm, really sad. Of a heart attack at the age of 74. Mm. The man that exposed Nixon. I, I mean, that was his biggest, biggest thing, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I actually mm. saw that live. And he actually got Nixon to his knees. He was fantastic as an interviewer. He asked the tough questions and got results. Wow. He's good. Yeah. It's, one of those, it's one of those classic interviews that they use in journalism mm. school mm. as a... How to. Should be too. But he loved coming to Australia. He actually adored Australia. 
did a lot of work down here, so he came back and forth quite often. I saw him um, interview perhaps, well, on um, Frost. He was interviewing personalities, actors, congressmen, right across the board, bishops. But he always gave the person he was interviewing a chance to react. What he was great at is getting under their skin, getting down to the nitty-gritty and pushing like hell to get the result. Mm-hmm. I thought he was one of the best interviews I've ever seen. So was it, was it kind of formulaic like we saw uh, on, on Enough Rope with Andrew Denton where you could actually tell where he was going to... No, this, this was needling? not predictable. Frost was good at not being predictable. And I think that's the big difference. So, and, and he was able—he was versatile enough to be able to do the soft, yeah, kind of celebrity yeah. type interviews as well. He was well an as emotional guy. I, I saw him in tears when he was interviewing some. He interviewed who's that very famous Italian? Berlusconi? Um, no, no, no. Cicciolina. No, no. This is the female, uh, Mother <laughs> Teresa. Mother <laughs> oh, Teresa. Right. He interviewed her and was in tears. Fantastic interviewer because he actually listened to what they were saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the essence of it. If you actually listen, you know, the next question to ask. A lot of interviewers can't do that. They've already got their next question. You've got to work with the person you're interviewing. Yeah. Open up that crack and Yeah, you've got to open the crack and then go in. On that, there's no way to segue (laughs) between that and this. Uh, (laughs) Tears? What about tears? It's bringing tears to the... Is anyone crying yet? (laughs) ABC management are in tears uh, as... Mm. Well, maybe they're in tears as they uh, see the costs of their uh, iView catch-up TV service uh, kind of skyrocketing. It's mm. becoming a little bit too uh, popular and uh, a lot of people are getting on there and they have to pay for all that bandwidth. It yeah. is amazing, though. I love iView. The ABC is trying to uh, negotiate uh, free kind of hosting deals, free unmeted content mm. deals with the right. ISPs. Yeah. Then um, maybe they could open it up to overseas. Is it, I, is I it geo-blocked? I, yeah, I wasn't able to watch it. Oh, they unblock some things, like some poignant things, like there were um, the Queensland flood news updates oh, and stuff right. were yeah. um, unblocked for international. Because oh, they were affected by the Queensland floods. Uh, because they were, like because people overseas wanted to know the updates about their local areas. Mm. Interestingly, ABC, I think we may have mentioned in episode 350, are, are starting to commission content just for the IV platform, not necessarily to go to broadcast mm. on their TV channels. It's uh, the way it's the way of the future, I think, like mm. with uh, digital media stations, particularly radio stations with digital radio, like radio, like Triple R has a digital station that has different content and blah, 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 um, and television as well. There's lots of online extras. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hi, this is Lawrence Mooney. I've been on the telly, and if you're into televisual delights, then there's only one show you need to be listening to, and that's Box Cutters. Get your ears into it. Talking of delights, uh, Dirty Laundry Live uh, was one of mine over our little break since we've been in the studio here. Um, And uh, good to hear that it's coming back next year. The Time of Our Lives is a story centred on the Tivoli family and their activities. From the same team as The Secret Life of Us, Amanda Higgs and Judy McCrossan, it's based in and around St Kilda, looking in on the day-to-day issues with kids and living arrangements and relationships and stuff like mm, that. The finale was uh, broadcast on Sunday on ABC and uh, it's been really popular. Um, the Twitterverse has been really into it and uh, everyone that I've spoken to all my friends uh, when I got back were like oh did you were you watching the time of our lives kind of thing like so people have have embraced it 
They have indeed. Uh, it's a it's a bit of an ensemble cast with uh, Claudia Carvin, Justine Clark, Shane Jacobson, aka Kenny, uh, Stephen Curry, William McInnes, and his uh, and and his big nose, which uh, was so distracting. <laughs> Does he have a big? Nose? I didn't notice. No, he's a very handsome man. You think he's very handsome? Mm. I thought his nose was completely proportional. Mm. Michelle Vergara Moore, uh, Tony Barry, and Sue Jones, uh, along with uh, a few guest performances in there. Sue Jones and Tony Barry are amazing as the yeah, they, um, the, par- really great. the parents of the uh, yeah. of the what's the, the Tivoli. I don't understand the why Tivoli they're called family. Tivoli and like they have these ethnic kind of names, Luciano. Well, and, Luch, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, oh, it's I guess they're strange. they're coming from an Italian perspective. But they're like this somewhere. really Aussie family, and um, it's they're quite Aussie. No, no, do you think they're as Aussie as there's uh, the rafters? There's nothing quite as Aussie as the rafters. In fact, as Aussie as. I don't know, meat pie, the black stuff. kangaroo pie yeah. should be changed to as yeah. Aussie as the rafters in that awful yes, show. Yeah. Um, no, these no these are these are more realistic. This family, I think, is a bit more realistic. Although some um, critics have said that um, the wealth of the uh, of the families is a little strange because they they seem to just be all have enough money to lead these yeah. you know lives what is it, what in is a it suburban the parents do? which is not reality like, is really is it not when you're a when you're a, <laughs> a when session musician and, and yeah. a yeah, yeah. yeah but Luke right. just had a big big gold hit record he did mm. uh, yeah the singing and the and the gags uh there's too much so the, the gags the, as part of the wisecrack, which as, yeah, part, part of the, the story the, set the in the comedy, comedy club. evenings, they need to like cut that back a little bit, I think, just because it's. Um, it's not like they're they're taking yeah. they're, they're shooting somebody's full stand up set. It's it's always yeah. just a little do- segue into having having a chat during the break. I mm. thought it was interesting um, that they one of the main characters is a stand up comedian who runs a comedy night, and there are a few local comedians in there. Tommy Little being one of the most notable because he's actually a recurring character on the show mm. playing. Jed Ray. And, and a bit of a love interest along the way. Yeah, a little bit of a love interest for uh, Claudia Carvan's character. Um, but then we, we've also seen a few others. I've, I've written them down. We had um, Benjamin Dendle. I noticed him. Uh, Mick Malloy, probably. Mick obviously. Malloy, <laughs> obviously, is a big one. So, yeah, they have all these comedians, but from the segments that I saw of them doing their comedy, they weren't really not funny at all. They were not yeah, funny. Not funny. Yeah, and then they'd have people laughing in the audience, and you're just like, What's "It's a bit of a weird on? comedy night." The, yeah. at times it's just people getting up and doing a song. Yeah, and, and I've, the, I've seen these comedians yeah. before, and I know that they're funny. Like I know they have good seg- good bits, so I don't understand why. But maybe it's trying to be true to form of like, um, you know. Stand-up, like start-up kind of comedy rooms, maybe. Yeah, but I, I thought it was interesting that there was in I think the second or third episode where um, Herb, who's the guy that runs the comedy night, Stephen Curry, Stephen yeah. Curry, yeah, which incidentally is the George Lane Bar down in St Kilda, uh, where they uh, do have a regular comedy night on Thursday nights. Actually, runs a regular comedy mu- night down there. They've got some really good people there. Yeah, it was it was a bit funny. There was this bit where his girlfriend, who's a bartender, she sort of ropes him into getting her a spot just because she's his girlfriend. And she gets up and she's terrible. Mm. But I thought that her jokes were not any less funny no. than the so-called <laughs> comedian jokes. Yeah. And the other thing that really bothered me about that is 
I don't know if this changes further on because I've only seen about four or five episodes now, but it seems that all of the comedians are men. Mm. And the one time that you see a woman have a go at comedy, she's just terrible. And Geraldine Hickey's up there. Yeah, she, does yeah. Geraldine yeah. Hickey get up? Yeah. Okay. So what I'm saying is, is the way that it's portrayed is that the one time you see someone who is a female trying to have a go at comedy, she's portrayed as being very not funny. Whereas all but the... But she wasn't, though. In another episode, there was a female comedian who was Who is funny. Yeah. Geraldine Hickey. Okay, that's great. Yeah, I love Geraldine. Okay. She's awesome, yeah. and she's really nice. Um, I found it really interesting that uh, that of kind of all of the main characters, there's nobody that that sits in the age range between fifteen and thirty. Mm. Um, it seems like they they've they've decided intentionally not to uh, be a draw for for that sector yeah. of the audience. Mm. Um, it's I mean, a mature we're, audience. We're looking, show. we're looking at <laughs> kind of boring day-to-day stuff and dealing with kids and dealing with ex-partners and all that sort of stuff. I always have a problem with new shows liking anybody. I just hate everybody. Like I, Winners and Losers. I started watching Winners and Losers. Mm. I just hate every character, but I kept watching because I got sucked in. And um, God, I'm still watching. It's it's awful. I mean, it's not awful. There are there are some good things about it, but but um, Shane Jacobson's character Luch uh, immediately likable. He's mm. really likable. I, I think if it wasn't for Luch, I wouldn't have been able to, to mm. continue watching. And it's interesting him doing a dramatic role um, and and doing it really well. Like, you know, I guess people are used to him trying to be funny. Um, I don't know if he is funny because I haven't seen Kenny, so I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I thought he was good. I've tried, but I don't like any of the characters. I really? Find, yeah, really. Like, even Looch. Like, I find them dull as dog shit. I just, I think they're terrible characters. I like, have a crush on um, on Stephen Curry. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Since, since, um, since Cloud Street, because the, the, the white singlet <laughs> and the suspenders, I just, I can't get over Here it. Here we go. I, I'm <laughs> not talking about the actors, though. I mean, I... <laughs> There should just be a segment called Marion's Crushes. Oh, <laughs> yay. Um, no, I, I actually really love a lot of those mm. actors. I mean, Claudia Carvin. Justine is- Clark, ever since Brides of Christ. Absolutely. I mean, the actors are great. Mm. I, I love those actors. I'm not against them. It is an amazing I, just, I don't cast. like. Yeah. I don't like the writing, mm. which is weird because I like the Secret Life of Some Us. Of is lines. it about the writing or is it about the storylines? Like Good it, was, it was such a passive aggressive yeah. nightmare with, yes. with Claudia with Carvin's character mm. with Bernadette, oh, Justin God, Clark's yes. character at times. Really unlike with Miranda. I actually love. I think that that was the first time that I actually began to get into a storyline, though, was when they introduced Pia Miranda's character and the passive aggressive um, exchange between her and Justine Clark's character. Yeah. Um, now, just like for a little bit of background, they're both school counselors working in the same school, and um, Pia Miranda's character is just super dodgy and just kind of always lying and and kind of trying avoiding to work. yeah avoiding mm. work, trying to pull the wool over the eyes of, of the people around her. And um, Justine Clark's character Bernadette is is pretty cluey to this from the get go, and, and maybe Mother Teresa, <laughs> like she's very you know good. She is she's a little a bit person. too good to yeah. be true. Yeah, that's true. And um, maybe she's a little bit hard to like because of that. But I did really like the way that she pushed back and 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 the sort of the subtlety between them, like of their bitchiness. Like mm. that's probably when I first really began to get into the show was was seeing them together. And I thought Pia Miranda was actually quite subtly quite funny. 
Um, I really liked her. Like, I think Pia Miranda's character was kind of is is my favorite so far. Not because she's a good, likable person, but because to me, she's like the most interesting and the funniest. Like, she's horrible, but she's very funny. Do you find some of the with the writing? What mm. you were saying about the right, whether it's the writing or the delivery the or whatever, but or the story. But sometimes they'll a line will be delivered, and it will actually look like they are struggling to get it. Like to 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 get yeah. it right because the line is so wrong. Like yes. some of the lines, like some of the dialogue opera. is just odd. Yeah. Like and it doesn't fit. It doesn't. Sa- it doesn't sound like a conversation that would actually happen. Agreed. And they the way that they put inflections on um, some of the like ways that they say lines is just really mm. strange. Like I've never seen uh, Michelle um, Vergara more in anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so and her character Chai Lee has been a massive character in the series. Well, yeah, she's. Pretty um, much what what the show starts on. So, yeah, you know, I, and her journey to find her birth mother. She's, yeah, she's which um, is really interesting. Yeah, the adopted daughter in the Tivoli family. Yeah. Um, so, girls, who's this think? show appealing to? Is it a female audience, a male audience, both? I'd say sort of maybe middle aged women with kids. Yeah, I'm not quite maybe. sure. Yeah. I I think maybe it's supposed to appeal to people like my mum, who's sort of like in her mid fifties and has grown kids, and mm. maybe or maybe a little bit younger, maybe like in women in their forties, thirty something. Well, they're all in their late thirties, early forties. So oh, this really? is a hipsters. I don't I feel like I don't yeah. really think that there are any hipster characters oh, in it. Though I think that no, but it's got that in a Melbourne. It, it almost yeah. like I know it's. Think, like well, I didn't know it was St Kilda until you said it. I thought it was Fitzroy. Yeah. Um, it had <laughs> Brett and because, also the yeah. sixteen tram they keep on showing. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So is this tram, days, right, of days of our lives in Melbourne? No. No. No, no, I wouldn't. Stuff say, actually I, I, think, I think there's no Vaseline on the lens. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel like it is just sort of a glorified um, soap. Soap. Really. Yeah. I find. Oh. I just, I'm really disappointed. Could it have been done because better? Because I love, I love the Secret Life of Us. Like you know, yeah, when, when I, I was I in loved, my early twenties, I actually liked that a lot. But yeah. if you watch the Secret Life of Us now, what you probably wouldn't feel the same way. Probably about not. It. You probably would probably not. go, oh, some of that dialogue. Yeah, mm. you're probably right. I think that uh, when I was in my early twenties, it just really appealed to me. I think I really loved Deb Mailman's character. Mm. I think maybe one of the things that was really appealing about the the Secret Life of Us to me is that here's a woman on television who doesn't fit the stereotype of mm. television beauty, mm. um, but you know she's kind of a central character and she's dating cute guys. And, and she's a really yeah. strong character. And she's That's strong right. and she's yeah. funny. And, yeah. There was and a strong script in those two. Yeah, yeah, very much. And I think she was fantastic in that. And I suppose this show doesn't really have any characters like that so much that are wow, this is someone you don't usually see on television. But I think that okay. there are there are performances in it that are amazing. Like I know, mm. like Claudia Carvin's, de- the development She's... of her character at the start, yeah. um, between the first episode and okay. this final episode, yeah. her character development has been, and um, of course she's an amazing um, actor. I love, I love Claudia Carvin. <laughs> and it was yeah. almost like she was struggling with it to begin with. I was quite yeah. distracted by not being able to, to follow the time frame. Mm. Like by the end, mm. by by the final episode, we're a year on from where we started mm. at, at 
episode number one. But the, that kind of ti- that sense of time passing doesn't really seem to be in there. What else and was so there? and so you've got these kind of big changes that that sounds to don't me like really make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. the other thing that didn't make sense was that the the relationships, how everybody was related and linked, was never explained. You had to figure it out throughout the series. Oh, yes. Okay, but yeah. as you go, like I who was who was a brother of who and who was a sister really? and where the where the hell did Herb well. fit in? And I thought that was explained, like not um, in the first like it, like the characters weren't introduced as who how they related to each other. Yeah, but I actually thought that was interesting that. They slowly explained that over the sort of mm. first three episodes. I so mean, they evolved. I did, they? yeah, I did figure. I mean, that that didn't really bother me that much because I, I think I did figure it out. I mean, I was very confused at first, um, but then I thought they explained it fairly well. It, it wasn't until I think the fifth episode where where Herb's mother turns up and oh, she's right. a terrible drunk. That's that right. We and get any indication of what had gone on with him yeah. growing up with the family, mm. and then. It, like they kind of like took him on as a surrogate sort of son, didn't they? Yeah, mm. okay. Yeah, fostered him or, or whatever. Which mm. uh, it, it's interesting, Justine Clark being in it and, and how that relates then to Home and Away, which mm. was the household full of uh, fostered kids. Oh, really? I see. I've and also Frank never turning seen up. Home and Away. Yeah. I was also somewhat distracted by the way that the characters would have these great big crises in their in their lives. Yes, that they seem to really just get over so easily. Right. We open up in the first episode with Jaylee's wedding mm. where the, the the groom doesn't turn Dish up. Bag. And like she's Partner, she's yeah. just completely broken by it all mm. through that first episode. Yeah. Second episode he, he She's back at work. He comes back and, and he's yeah. kind of on the scene. Yeah. After that she doesn't think about it at all. It's it's just as though it never happened. That's not the real world. No, yeah. but that is television. Like television um, drama is mm. usually, um, you know, you have to have the narrative has to go forward. So usually yeah. there's a drama that happens and that it has to be resolved by the next um, no, episode. I, I disagree with you. I actually think scripting should be, when you're writing a story, there should be a beginning, a plot and an ending. On an ongoing series? On do, every single episode. Each episode, yep. so so, yep. so they can operate. There's a wedding, there's a wedding going that's on. That's what I'm saying. That 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 you you encapsulate the drama into in that episode. Yeah, it's got to be so that that by episode itself. focuses but on a certain event. You see one episode and you actually get beginning, plot, ending. But don't you believe that there should also be multiple story arcs mm. happening simultaneously? The basis of it could be that, right? And yeah. then you have yeah. a hook at the end. It might be the doorbell rings and we don't see who's behind the door. The hook. But you must have, yeah. you must have in each episode no, I agree. a beginning, a plot, and an ending. You've got to have a story. And you don't think this one did? He hasn't seen well, it. Well, I haven't <laughs> seen it. I'm just saying. Yeah. Sounds to me as though it hasn't got a beginning, a plot, and an ending. I, w- I would say that it does. They're just not very interesting. I'm kind of conflicted because I'm not sure if I don't like it because it has unlikable characters. Or because it's I not a good seen show, it, and I'm getting a feeling like that I'm it's just a scripting at fault here. That's what I'm getting a yeah, feeling on. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say it's a scripting. It's definitely not the actor's fault because, like I've said, independently they're amazing mm. actors. I would also say it would have to do with the direction, because as um, Marianne has pointed out, sometimes with the way that they're they're speaking their lines, it's like they're ad- they're unsure what 
what they're supposed to be conveying. If the actors are doing that, and it's a scripting problem. It's a scripting and a directing problem. issue. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and I I'm not going to say anything against those actors because they're, they're all brilliant. good. It is such it's a, a good really cast. good cast. Yeah, it's yeah. Really and it's, it, it feels like cast. they're wasted. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't watch it. And I guess what you said about um, Australian contemporary television dramas is I feel like they're just too safe. Mm-hmm. And they're not... I, I think a lot of contemporary Australian dramas that I've seen, I mean, I don't often follow them because it's like they're afraid to really tackle anything really controversial if they're tackling something controversial it's like air quotations here it's it's you know like oh look he's this young young boy is being left at home while his father is off at the mines you know and this is like the bum, bum, a very special episode mm, of, i should take a lesson from mad men yeah absolutely and and it's not really um appealing to a contemporary audience it's not really the stuff that that we're having to deal with like um but maybe it is for for the 30 something mm. at home be. with kids no, so i'm 30 something at home with kids safe suburban maybe they'll be, maybe, the maybe 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 they'll develop things there there is a second series uh, a second season coming shane jacobson confirmed yeah. on twitter okay. so um hopefully in the second season they can maybe nut those issues out a bit and yeah well, I might watch the second series. Yeah. <laughs> or you can check out the entire first series, Chris. All right. It's all okay. on our view. It's all available there. Thank yeah. you, Brett. Uh, just uh, use more of the ABC's bandwidth that we all need to pay for. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you pay taxes, right? <laughs> of course I pay he taxes. Totally what are you suggesting? He's an ad man. <laughs> well, maybe not. Unbelievable, now that... man. So how many out of ten do you give it? Me? Yep. Four. That's not much. Four. Yeah. I really, really find it very hard to watch it's very tedious i would but in it's in the in the um genre of australian drama television yeah. drama yeah. of what we have now on at the moment so we've got wonderland and yeah. winners and losers and this yeah. and whatever the hell else is on mm. um it it is the standout okay what, by what a long you, shot what would you give it i'd give it six okay brett what would you give it hmm. <laughs> mm. i haven't seen it i'll be honest you're right i, I haven't watched it but I've seen The Secret Life of Us. Six and a half? The Secret Time of Our... No, The uh, the Time <laughs> of Our Lives uh, yeah. went to air every Sunday on ABC One at 8.30. You can catch it now on iView at the ABC's website. It's on DVD at ABC, ABC Shops, Shops And Centres. Hi, this is Scott Brennan, and I'm bang up for a bit of digital reception on box cutters. I've had my box well and truly cut. So my segment, Brett, you named it. Maybe it's because I'm a Londoner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was awful. If my English friends are listening, I'm so, so sorry. Um, so I've been traipsing around Europe for the last three months. And as I said, not really watched any television except for downloading The Time of Our Lives um, <laughs> and watching that every now and then. But um, So I came back fresh, you know, clear mind. I hadn't watched television. And just a few weird observations. So while I was overseas in the UK, especially, everybody I met was like, well, you're not from here. Where are you from, love? And um, and I would say Australia. And the first thing they would say is, do you watch Neighbours? And I was happy to say that I was possibly the only Australian person who actually does watch Neighbours because I've always watched it. I don't know what's wrong with me, but... I've kind of followed it for years and years and even if I, you know, don't watch it for a couple of months or whatever, I 
generally go back to it. But sometimes I have to stop watching it because there are characters that I just hate so much. <laughs> so I got back and uh, watched Neighbours, of course, and um, there was an Asian-looking person on Neighbours, which I was pretty impressed with. He's in, a gay, he's in a gay relationship oh, with go. um, the gorgeous... Uh, I can't think of what his name is. But they're like a young, attractive, sexy male gay couple, which I think Australia My has been lacking for so long. There's mm. always female lesbian relationships on soaps and, sh- you know, sitcoms and whatever. Really? And it's Was like, it? fuck off. We're so sick of female I, lesbian relationships. Didn't, didn't they have to blow up the lesbian couple on Home and Away? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really nice to see um, gay guys pashing on prime time. Wow, um, they're actually pashing on neighbours. Yeah, there's some pashing. That's um nice. and uh so it was nice to see an Asian looking person uh, in in neighbours except that the episode that I tuned into, he was maybe a criminal. He was in the he was in the um he was in the police station getting questioned about a hit and run. And um well, you've got to keep it interesting. But there's a thing like because in the um in the nineties there was a an Indian family that moved into the street and um, the audience hated them so much. Like, there was so much bad feedback that they basically just got rid of them. Yeah. Oh, no, they weren't Indian. They were Chinese. Sorry. Um, yeah, they, they, wow. so they got written out. They were um, Asians. And then, and then there was this uh, – so there, there are, there are ca- an, an Indian family on the, on the show now, but the, the mother cheated on the husband with Paul Robinson, of course. <gasps> Of course, because he's a cad, and um, he can <laughs> charm it. it. He can charm the pants off of anyone, and then she died. So uh, you know, there's like this underlying kind of like, well, we're going to put them on, but they're still the other. You know, they're still not quite right. trusted, or you know, I don't know. That's just me being, you know, sensitive, maybe. But um, okay, so neighbors, that was good. There was some some gay passing, and and I loved it. Recipe to riches, I saw a little bit Is of it just dragons. Den. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. It's shit Dragon's Den. I didn't really watch any of it, but I I saw ads for it and stuff, and what the hell is that? So it is, it's a shit Dragon's Den. Um, it's basically an advertisement for Woolworths. It's a, an hour-long advertisement. They And then they, they sell the products in Woolworths, so it's basically like they, we can't think of products to make now, can you just do it for us, please? That's, I'm pretty sure what's going on there. Uh, MasterChef is still on. Who the hell watches MasterChef? Hey. Nobody. Hey. You have Nobody. Look at the it's being watched very well. No, it's not. It wait dived. A sec. Hang it on a dived. sec. If you look at the money generated by the advertising revenue around it, you'll have another thing. Not anymore. The, the rating figures haven't, certainly haven't been the juggernaut that it has been in I'm previous seasons. I'm talking about rating figures. Uh, why does the Bolt Report still exist, Chris? It's, you had the answer for it. I'd say it's advertising revenue yeah. because it's so watched. I'm being sarcastic. Mm. Nobody watches it. Mm. It's just no, there because Gina Reinhart. Um, Wonderland. So I saw an ad for Wonderland, which mm. is the new... Um, is this the Channel 10 show to pick up the 15 to 30-year-olds that the ABC is living at? They're with still, the the characters are still a bit older than that. They're, they're mid to late 20s. They're married, they're mm. or, or getting married, or yep. but they. So I saw an ad and it was like Wonderland, the show that's got all of Australia talking. And I thought, well, what are they talking about? I better watch it. So I caught up in a couple of episodes, and um, on the first episode I watched on the Channel Ten online thing, there were coalition ads. It was the week before the. Um, uh, election oh, and there wow. were coalition ads all through it. Tony Abbott's 
head was all over it. And, um, yeah, so I thought it's a bit much um, on online viewing. I just thought that was strange. Some of the ads that, that are on the online, because I'm just watching things online, mm-hmm. um, are really strange. And they're old ads as well. So they're obviously just getting the cheap ones, um, the ones that they don't have to pay mm. too much for, and sliding them in. Anyway, um, Wonderland, it's interesting. Maybe we could review it in a couple of weeks or something. Yeah, winners and losers I caught up on. It's the same old, same old. I don't know how many series they're in, but the characters are just all awful. Um, I think that's had its run, hasn't it? Mm, it's getting a bit, yeah, bizarre. Oh, they've brought new characters in to kind of freshen it up a little but bit. But it's the same. It's the same stuff. And I don't find anyone on it sexy, so I, I'm having a hard time with it. Mm-hmm. Um, that makes it hard. <laughs> it really, that is really, really hard. does. Yeah. So I don't know. That that's it. And there's there's some ad stuff that um, I guess I want to talk about. Thanks, Mary. Hey, this is Wolfman Jack. You're on the box because you stay tuned right here. Okay, love you. Andy Anderson, do you recognise that voice, Chris? I actually thought it was Wolfman Jack. I do a Wolfman Jack. He does a Wolfman Jack, mm. as we heard. Hey, man. It's a Wolfman here. Wow. <laughs> uh, Marion, you've got something to say about advertising. I've got so much shit to say, do oh, Go for it. Come on. <laughs> so um, one of the things that I noticed was fast food ads, right? Um, so I hadn't seen a lot of ads. And uh, my WTF moment was uh, a Nando's. Well, actually, no. First, it was a KFC ad. And it was, uh, you know, a concerned mother who, mm-hmm. who um, you know, she cares about her family, but she's rushed. You know, she's, ru- she's busy. She's a busy mother. What can she do to look after her family? Feed them KFC. So I think that's Sorry? believable, Marion? No. No. So if you if you love your family, give them coronary heart disease by feeding them KFC. Oh, um, so I thought that was weird. And then I saw a Nando's ad that was um, – the catch line was, eat interesting. It's chicken and chips. It's spicy. It's burgers and chips. It's not interesting. It's shit. Right. So fast food advertising. I mean, you know, you know what I really um, respected about KFC back in the day was they called themselves Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. They were finger licking good. They were greasy. They were shit. And they were happy to just say, look, it's fatty crap, but God, it's delicious. Mm. And now it's like, oh, well, we can't do that. We've changed it to KFC because we don't want to have Kentucky Fried. Well, we don't have Fried in the name. They get and sued if they admit that it's not good for you. Well, that's it. So um, it's just, it, it's it's misleading. It I is think. misleading. So what did you see that was good? Ad-wise? Yeah. Mm. Have you seen the new Mitsubishi and Lancer commercial using the song? What song? I don't care. Oh, yeah, yeah, actually. Like it's that? catchy. It's I reckon it's a great ad using very good music. The music is the essence of the ad. But I remember the song. I don't remember the product. But that's the point. But I don't remember the product, so what's the point? Okay. I wouldn't have, no, I wouldn't have been able to remember what car it was. Well, when you, you said the song, I said, oh, yeah, I've seen that ad. The problem with that is you're absolutely right. There's no branding. Mm. Great song, great song, catchy, watchable. No one remembers what it's for. Maybe they need to change the song to put Mitsubishi Lancer absolutely in the Absolutely right. You should be a scriptwriter. Mm. That's exactly what they should do. Mm. What I would have done, I would have rehired that girl to re-sing it, same song, and put Brandy in it. Mm. That would have been the hook. That would have worked. Maybe it was too expensive, I don't know. But that's a mistake. If you haven't got Brandy, you haven't got an ad. I threw your shit into a bag and ran over it in my Mitsubishi Lancer. I don't care. Well, there's been, <laughs> there's been worse things said than that, and it's worked. But you're absolutely right. That's what's lacking, Brandy. Yeah. If you watch one thing... 
Marion, uh, if you were to watch one thing this week, can you tell us what to watch? If I was to watch one thing for the rest of my life, it would be Breaking Bad and <sighs> Jesse Pinkman. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, are you up to date? Yeah, it's, and it's getting so good. I, it was the yet. first no thing spoilers. that I did when I got off the plane. Like, I didn't even sleep. I went straight to my computer <laughs> and acquired, acquired the episodes that I had. Uh, Were they missed. not showing them over in Europe? I didn't have a TV. I was staying in dirty hostels and, um, yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> On people's couches, people's floors. <laughs> and the payoff's being good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's such a well-written, you know, the characters have developed so well and... And, um, yeah, and I have a massive crush on Jesse Pinkman. In fact, so much Aww. so that the crackies in Manchester were looking really good to me. I was, like, what, looking at the crackies in Piccadilly wow. Garden thinking, I could clean him up. I could <laughs> clean him up. Chris? Well, I'll admit I don't watch a lot of shows, but I watch all the commercials for the, for the reason to win the game. And there isn't a great deal of good stuff on at the moment. So this week, if you were to watch one thing? Probably reruns of Mad Men. Uh, which we're waiting on the new season, mm. the final season to come up. Can't wait for that one. Tense times. <sighs> Rachel? I have to say that what I'm most looking forward to this week is seeing, um, well, the, the double episode, actually, on the newsroom mm-hmm. of the um, 2012 uh, presidential election. So it's um, I'm very much looking forward to that because... I love to see what Aaron Sorkin does with actual historical events mm. yep. and um, sort of his, his insights um, on things that we all know well. Um, I, I love the newsroom. I, j- I just think it's, mm. it's such an exciting show. I don't think that it's lived up to the promise of the first few episodes. I think it's become a little bit too bogged down with some of the romantic... Mm. subplots but i i'm still in the game and and i i still have my hopes that um it's going to last a long time like the west wing did and and have you know more peaks maybe this double episode will bring it back maybe it will yeah that's what i'm hoping west wing was great oh it's fantastic Mm. one of the best shows and now we're through the uh, election campaign and all that sort of serious stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm kind of just kicking back and relaxing. And uh, I'm on the Kroll show, what is which Kroll is show? Nick Kroll, who was mm. in uh, The League. Oh. And he does some character stuff. So it's a little bit... It, it's a sketch show where he does different characters. Mm. And that's on uh, ABC2 on Thursday nights at 8.30pm. Oh. <laughs> so what? Rachel, uh, you've... Uh, <laughs> Taken over the mantle of uh, Ben's slash Brenner's slash Toby's fact-checking. What have you got you can tell us? Well, I've got a few things. Um, I've got to say, I got really interested in some facts about uh, the time of our lives. Mm-hmm. There were some uh, things that um, I, I sort of hit upon. One of the things was the storyline about the character Chai Lee. She's, uh, she was adopted by an Australian family. She was originally a Vietnamese orphan. Um, or was she? She was a Vietnamese child that um, was rescued 
by Australians and then adopted by Australians. Um, and, and I was sort of finding out about this and this article that I read online from The Guardian actually related it to an actual U.S. military operation um, in 1975 known as Operation Babylift. Um, what that was, was at uh, the end of the Vietnam conflict, um, the U.S. military actually came in and took a, a, a massive amount of Vietnamese children from orphanages mm-hmm and then uh, distributed them uh, amongst uh, um, U.S., Australian, French, and Canadian, yes, um, Canadian families. Um, Now, this was very controversial, um, especially because we now know for sure that a lot of those babies were not actually orphans. They may have been in orphanages because their families were in great danger and they had to temporarily place their children in orphanages but then they effectively just had their children taken away from them so there's also a good side a lot of children were rescued yes so yeah obviously that that caused some controversy because of that um the story of of Chiley is actually quite sad yeah so i, I thought that was a really inter- interesting introduction for me to part of history that i hadn't known about a couple of other little interesting facts that I found out in, re- in relation to the show. Today is the actor William McGuinness's birthday. He's 52 today, so... Happy birthday, Mr. McGuinness. Happy birthday, sir. Um, yeah, so that's a, a nice little uh, tie-in with our show. I was really interested in the actress Michelle Vengara Moore. Hadn't seen her before. She's fairly new on the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, found this out. Is Chai Lee in this. this is Chai Lee, yes. Um, she's been in a couple of films. She was in a film, um, Side Effects, a Steven Soderbergh film, uh, a couple of years ago. And she was actually in a play in Melbourne last year called The Motherfucker with the Hat. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I think that's great. I wish I'd seen it. Uh, sounds like it was great. I watched Side Effects on the plane. It was awful. Really? Mm. Oh, now that's a shame because you know, Soderbergh, for me, could go either way. But anyway, uh, this isn't a movie it. show. This is a TV show yeah. show. So um, we'll uh, carry on. Now, a couple of other little facts. What else did we have? Um, we were talking about during the show um, gay, the gay storyline on Neighbors. And during a break... Chris actually brought up that the first gay storyline ever featured on Australian television was on the television show Number 96, which I've never heard of until today. But Chris loved it. Chris loved it. Oh, right. But it was, it was a sex show, was it? Or? <laughs> it, was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was sexy. Sexy. Okay. Mm. Um, but anyway. It was in the 70s. It was all free. Love I wasn't allowed to uh, watch they, it. Was there you go. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Then anyway, I found I found an article here um, which says that apparently there was a film version, 90, number ninety six, the movie, which featured uh, a gay kiss that is now Same mysteriously disappeared. Wow! So uh, yeah, it's in it's in the the um, someone's national, got that. 
Mm. And asking a million dollars for it. Yeah, National Film and Sound Archive has mm. a copy of it, and it's mysteriously cut. The kiss scene is out. Yeah, so uh, apparently this is something that would happen a lot um, back back in the day. We should investigate this mm. and start, yes. start something. Ma- let's, maybe let's we should have an investigative immediately. Mm. Yeah, maybe we should have an investigative unit of box cutter, like an investigative. We should get Melinda Tanker based on. <laughs> Sorry to keep Sounds good. Mm. Um, okay, so so that was very interesting. Um, the the mystery of the last gay kiss on uh, number ninety six, and um, then uh, last but not least, I did want to check out what Chris was saying about obesity lawsuits because that's something that you hear about a lot. To me, it's sort of one of those urban myth things, like mm. kind of like the one about oh, the woman who spilled hot coffee on herself and then sued McDonald's yeah. because of the hot coffee. And then you sort of you look into it and and you find out that there's always more to the story. Um, so we were trying to find any mention of an actual successful obesity lawsuit. Now, obviously, Australia and America are very litigious societies. I just like saying the term litigious society. Australia's so. not very litigious. He says that so well. Comparatively. Compared well. to other America's countries. America's the king of, of, of I, litigation. I, I think that's true. Yeah, America has more lawyers per capita. You hear that statistic than, it, than any other country. I, I think that uh, the ru- rumors of how easy it is to successfully, mm. um, you know, get... Get sue money, yeah. sue other parties, yeah. In America, has been wildly exaggerated. So the only information, I mean, we did find any information that we could find about obesity lawsuits. They were very unsuccessful. And Marianne here has has got up a page for me. Uh, I, I thought I'd just read this out. So um, we're actually talking about a million dollar lawsuit brought by obese teenagers against McDonald's in the U.S. In the U.S. Yes, not in Australia. Very important to mention that um, was tossed out of court with a U.S. District Court judge in New York ruling that the McLaw suit was doomed because we should all know that eating too much fast food is bad for us and it is not the place of the law to protect plaintiffs from their own excesses. Right, would you allow me to say one thing? I said the same thing about cigarette smoking and there has been billions of dollars awarded for Mm. damages. It'll happen to this as well. All right. Well, possibly we'll we'll hold you to that, yeah, Chris. Yeah. And um, maybe I might be here, but box cutters episode seven thousand and thirty-four. <laughs> That's it. Maybe maybe we should start no, a pool now. Seriously, um, there's been a lot of talk about cigarettes. Oh, you should have known about it. Well, listeners, but they've actually won cases. Listeners, okay. let us know. Let us know yeah. of cases yes. and stuff. Yeah, if, love if, to if hear you, about it. If you know of uh, a successful obesity lawsuit, we want to know about yeah. it. Um, but you think it'd be more publicised if it if it actually happened? That it would be yeah, all over. They're also, the, you know, let's pay them off and shut them up. That goes on as a fact. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters, pod, cast, done. Pork is on the table. If you do want to send us uh, your commentary, anything regarding that, your replies, you can send it to hooray at boxcutters.net or go to the blog at boxcutters.net. Just tell and, us uh, stuff. Yes. Yes. Tell us yes. all of the stuff. But yes. I, I do know about cheese. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> 
You can you can comment on my open animosity toward Chris. Yes. Do you like it? Because I can get worse. <laughs> uh, she will. There's no doubt about that. Hey, uh, Dave Lawson's uh, back next Yay. week. Yay. Um, for those wondering, we had to have a bit of a uh, time shift around this week, and uh, which is why we're here on Tuesday night, not on mm. Monday night. I'll vacate my seat. He can come here, and Marion can chew ears off him as well. I love Dave. Um, so <laughs> he will be in next week, and uh, the video podcast is coming. I promise you, as well as the live feed, and uh, we do want to get your inputs, you lovely, lovely listener. Um, <laughs> Each and every week on uh, on what we're talking about, mm-hmm. and uh, to help you with that, with uh, one of our innovations is to let you know what show we're going to be reviewing each week as they come up, so that you can uh, listen and watch and and comment along mm-hmm. with us. Yeah. Um, and we have some other pork. So there's this guy called John Richards. I don't know if. Anyone. That kind of rings a bell. Do you, you've heard of him, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, right, he's got this thing going on. Um, he has uh, co-written a show for um, yeah, the Fringe Festival. Thank you. Cool. Um, he's co-written it with... Uh, co-written with Lee Zachariah from Bazura Project. Friend of Box Cutters. Not yeah. sure if anybody knows Lee. No, of course we do. We're lovely. Um, and it's called uh, Songs for Europe, two short plays about Eurovision. Um, and it's... I mean, it looks amazing. Um, you can find it on – there's a Facebook page. You can like it. You can attend it. You can get tickets at melbournefringe.com.au or you can call 966609666 or you can get them on the door. It's running through September 19 to 29. Um, and just to give you a little bit of info um, – So Eurovision, it's known as a celebration of camp and kitsch, but the history of Eurovision is also one of war, struggle and pain. So John and Lee have written two short plays about the Eurovision legacy um, for Fringe, and um, it looks really good. So, yeah, get along to that. Support John in his new ventures. I know you miss him. Support him, and he Mm -hmm. might come visit. That's all for Box Cutters this week. Uh, My name's been Brett Cropley. I'm Marion Blythe. I'm Rachel Howe. I'm available. I'm Chris. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad show. And let's be careful out there. <laughs> Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world, whose studios we use to record this show pretty much each and every week. The show is produced by Brett Cropley with Marion Blythe, Rachel Howe, Chris Rankin and the very handsome Dave Lawson. Brett Cropley records, edits and produces the audio and Peter Wilson keeps everything nicely greased up on the internet end. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes, tell three friends, write emails, post on Facebook and tweet about us. It means so much to us and spreads the word. Send us your thoughts, feelings and deepest secrets through the Contact Us form on the blog at boxcutters.net. Thanks this week for inspiration to Zay Frank and founder boxcutter Josh Canal. It's been a bit strange and scary without you around. Hey, Marion, um, who, who else is going to be on the show? Um, uh, Jolene Wiggenbottom. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Who else? Rach, Rach. Mervyn McGuffin Ball. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Um, Love his work. He's 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 a great TV guy. Yeah. Well, you know, a, a lot of a lot of people have um, had a problem with his racism. Mm. Um, he came good though. He came good. I think. Maybe, I think maybe he we'll really... have to have him for one episode and then get rid of him. Mm. Uh, who yeah. Else? <laughs>
Who else? Um, Methuselah um, Jones. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like Methuselah. His, wor- his work in... Um, I don't know. I'm not good at this. There's, there's, you know, there's Tuddy who was supposed to be here. Oh, Tuddy. Oh, you know, yeah. but I just like literally just said to Brett, I don't remember names or, you know, I'm really bad with names. And then he said, give me some names. You know who I'm really Brett, excited about? Who are you excited about? Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.